listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey there, welcome to the show, everybody. We got another midweek episode of the Sun Solar Panel. As always, I'm your host, Dave King. Today, I'm fortunate enough to have a guest host on here. I, I, I met Tim way back. The first time we met was actually back in 2014 at the All-Star Game in New Orleans. This is Tim Cato. He's been covering the Mavericks since um, probably the year he was born. I don't know. It seems like you've been covering the Mavericks a long time. The Suns play the Mavericks twice this week, so I thought this would be a perfect time to get an old friend on the show. How you doing, Tim? Dave, I am doing great. Waking up here in downtown Phoenix, here for the couple games this week. Um, yeah, let's let's talk some hoops. Let's get this going, man. All right, so you are listening to the Solar Panel. We are always free, always fresh, and we're presented by the Basketball Podcast Network. Check out that DraftKings promo in the lower corner of this, of this uh, video here, and if you use that promo code, you'll get a big discount. Totally different than the big discount you get from everyone else's DraftKings promo code. Completely unique. Uh, so go on DraftKings, use our promo code. I get credit for it. While you're here, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. If you're on watching this on YouTube, obviously, uh, set your subscriptions uh, and your notifications and stuff for all of our shows and do a thumbs up. If you're listening on the audio version of this, you know, leave, leave me a five-star review if you're on, on iTunes. All right, let's get going, Tim. So the Suns play the Mavericks. The Mavericks are nine and four early on in the season, and the Suns play the Mavericks two games in a row. What do you, first of all, what do you think about this back to back in the same city two game series, kind of like baseball style? What do you think of that? Do the Suns have any other ones? Off, off yeah, the top of your it head? seems like there's two or three. I think on the on the schedule because. The Mavs, the Mavs go to LA after this, and they play the Clippers twice. So they oh, have wow. a, a back-to-back baseball schedule, and I know there's at least one more, um, a, a back-to-back games against Sacramento at the end of the year. So this is this is something Dallas is going to be dealing with a uh, with a lot, and I, I I know that it's it's a continuation of the COVID schedules and trying to adapt to the world that we're in, reduce travel that way. I don't mind it, um, but I think there is – I would imagine the stats actually bear this out, and I know the the long-held wisdom is that if you play a team twice in a row in the regular season, um, it's more likely to be a split than uh, than win, winning both games. So, you know, I, I guess in that sense, it, it might be a detriment to teams, you know, better teams playing worse teams or, wins. Yeah. or things like that. But it, but it does, does – but it does allow some, like, in-game – or like game-to-game tactical adjustments, which I think are interesting to keep an eye on and, and analyze. It's tough, man, because the regular season, <laughs> see, Suns fans, we're, we're going to act like we've been there before. You know, we had one playoff run in uh, 10 years, but Suns fans are clearly seeing that there is a big difference now between playoff series and regular season games. Nobody preps for anybody in the regular season. You just play play out your game. Occasionally, you might get a okay. We really know this guy, so we're going to play him the one way defensively. But most of most of the time, you don't have defensive scheming uh, against a player that you um, that isn't totally obvious. Like uh, if Luca, we'll talk about Luca in a minute. But if Luca was playing against the Suns this week, uh, there'd be trapping, and then we'd see what would happen based on that. Although that that he kills you when you do that. Um, but really, 
defensive adjustments like in the playoffs. However, these home and home, these these back to backs against the same team in the same city, you have plenty of chance to actually try that out. And uh, you're right; it seems like it would lend itself to uh, splitting the two games. But actually, last year, the two that I can think of off the top of my head right now, the Suns had an early season back to back hosting Denver, lost both games in overtime. Both went to overtime. One went to double overtime. Lost them both. And then That's the two games cool. in Dallas, they beat the the Mavericks twice, right? Yeah, you know what? Now that you say that, I guess that's right. Yeah, and that was one of those was on a buzzer beater. So it's it's uh, it does make for very close games and interesting games. But I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll just see. I think it's kind of cool. The players don't quite have to travel as much. They get to rest in between games and. And uh, uh, the second game is always more interesting than the first, it feels like. So the Suns are playing the Mavericks twice this week, uh, Wednesday night and then Friday night in Phoenix. But then, and it was going to be a nice big matchup between Luka Doncic and DeAndre Aiden, as always. Uh, those are those are at least headliners for us uh, in, in, in Suns land on can we beat the guy that the Suns should have drafted. And so far, so good. But now all of a sudden, Luca decides that's the perfect opportunity to roll up his leg against another player and twist his knee and ankle. Is he is he avoiding the Suns? Is he tired of losing to the Suns, Tim? He is. He is. He told me after the game that uh, it, it was specifically <laughs> this matchup that just struck fear in him, and that he's hit game winners <laughs> and played on you know in high stakes basketball games. But something about the Suns just really just really gets to him. <laughs> No, it's it's funny because it, it was it was almost literally the last play of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, one you could argue, you know, it looked like the Mavs could have wrapped up a little sooner. Um, now that's a bad faith argument. It, you know, Luca didn't get hurt because the Mavs didn't play a little bit better in in that game. But it certainly was a situation where it was it was so close to him not being on the on the court, the game being over. Um, to the extent that when he when he kind of hobbled off, it. it you know, there was no way to even ascertain how severe the injury was that night after, you know, not getting informa- any information from Jason Kidd because, you know, there was at, at no point would he have come back on the court or or been ruled out of the game or anything. There was like 45 seconds left. So it does appear he's going to miss a few games. But um, uh, all the uh, every everything we've heard, everything I've heard is is that there's it's not serious. There's no damage to uh, the knee or the ankle. Um and that it's just going to be a day day by day thing. So I, I think I would be, you know, he's for sure going to miss Wednesday's game. I think um, just based off my reading of the situation, I'd be a little surprised if he plays on Friday um, as well. Yeah, it's it's just early season precautions. Uh, DeAndre Ayton sat out an extra week basically uh, with his with his sore knee after he got his knee bumped and bruised and uh, uh, folks, by the way, lower leg contusion is knee bruise. It's, it's okay just to say knee bruise. I don't know why we have to say lower leg, but at least it's not as bad as hockey where they just go lower body injury and it could be anywhere from the hips down. Uh, So, but, but still it was a knee bruise. He knocked knees with somebody, Deandre Aiden. He's back. He played Monday night against Carl Anthony towns. So the Suns tried to have the matchup, tried really hard to have the matchup, and now Dallas is screwing that up. So thanks a lot, Tim. Um, so anyway, let's talk a little bit more about the Mavericks start. They're 9-4. and four. Oh, before I go any further, I didn't even take five seconds to tell everyone 
who you really are, Tim. I said you've been following the Mavericks for a decade at least now, even though you don't look old enough to have been covering the Mavericks for a decade. I believe you you are. And uh, tell us, uh, I knew you when you were Mavs Moneyball. Tell us where they can find you now and and what kind of work you're doing. Yeah, I'm at The Athletic, um, which it feels like everybody is at The Athletic or a a large Except anyone in the Phoenix market. But yeah, go ahead. That's a, I I don't think I'm allowed to uh, share thoughts on that. Um, (laughs) I might have them. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, I I think that it's been a, a, a good place. You know, I, I, like you said, I went from Mass Moneyball to SB Nation covering full time to, um, to the athletic now. And so, you know, uh, my work's there, uh, doing a lot of interesting features, anything I find interesting around the team, whether it's the backstory to a video they did for the city edition, uh, rollout or front office reporting. Like, you know, it's a, it's a wide mix of stuff that I do over there and that they, that, that, that they let us. Um, so yeah, Tim, uh, Tim underscore Cato on Twitter. And that's the, yeah. Tim's a great follow. Uh, yeah. And, and it's not just Mavericks things, although you do cover the Mavericks daily. And again, you're even traveling as, as we can see you're in Phoenix right now. Okay. So uh, back to, let's talk about the front office for a second for the, for the Mavericks. There's been some upheaval in the past year or two. The Suns uh, franchise is going through a little bit of, of scandal right now with how the owner is treating uh, players and, and staffers and things like that. At least that's the uh, allegations by ESPN in a, in a long researched article interviewing 70 plus employees. This is the Phoenix Suns situation I'm talking about right now. And now the NBA is going to conduct an investigation with a law firm they use for every owner investigation, every governor investigation of, of a NBA franchise. The last investigation they did was of Mark Cuban and his organization with the Mavericks. And you did some reporting on that, Tim. Can you tell us what you think uh, um, the NBA is looking for in those investigations? Are they looking for reasons not to hurt the team and the owners, or are they looking really to, to make things right? I, I think that, you know, without being the active reporter in, in either of these stories, um, I, I think the big difference is active versus passive. Um, in the case of Phoenix, um, it's Sarver actively accused of doing these things that, that, you know, even though, you know, there in, in the, in the ESPN story, you know, there was some, you know, there, there was some instances of culture being, um, facilitated by Sarver, but it largely focused on actions um, he did. Whereas the Mavericks was very clearly wrapped around a passive involvement and uh, I guess allowance to happen, you know, from Mark Cuban. Whereas when they conducted this investigation and when they interviewed 150 plus people, it, it does. It does seem that none of those people ever pointed fingers at Mark himself. Um, it just said that you know he didn't do enough. That that he he was too. He just turned a blind eye. Exactly, and I think you can argue may have purposely took it, taken a blind eye at mm-hmm. times. But it, it still it still was a it was a omission of of knowledge and a lack of oversight. Um, rather than him specifically saying things or doing things or allowing things to happen um, with active knowledge of them happening. And so, you know, I, I don't know how to feel about these independent investigations. I, I think to some degree that, 
you know, the the one the Mavericks did really didn't undercover, uh, uncover more that that wasn't hadn't already been reported. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly didn't identify any other people um, that that hadn't been identified by previous journalistic uh, reporting. Um, e- even though at, at least one more name came out uh, after the report did. Um, it, that said, you know it was thorough and it's and it's um, you know it didn't it didn't hold back in terms of you know all of the bad actors that had already been identified. Um, you know, I've even talked to people who went through these interviews with uh, with the investigations, like Mavs employees, and you know it, it was you know it's it's certainly a thorough process. Um, I, I I it's it's really hard to without being closer to the Phoenix situation, it's really hard to mm. have an idea exactly how it um, how it will end up. But but in just in terms of differences, I, I think those are that's the main one. Sure. So uh, on one hand, you've got Sarver being actively accused, like you say, whereas Mark Cuban was never actively accused. He was just the guy who turned the blind eye. But we don't have the smoking gun that Donald Sterling had or uh, I forget the name of the Atlanta Hawks owner, Levinson, I think Um, there was the email. So there wasn't. So Sarver's somewhere in between. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a months, months long investigation. Heck, they're still investigating the um, the the NBA. I don't know if it's the same legal team. It's probably not, but they're still investigating the potential uh, uh, issues with um, uh, the first day of free agency and deals having been within thirty seconds. You know, Chicago and New Orleans, and that investigation is still going. And we're months later, so don't expect anything really fast, Suns fans. We'll see what happens. There will be occasional leaks of, of, of progress and investigations, but that's about it. Uh, let's move on to, to present day. So present day, the Suns are 10 and 3. The Mavericks are 9 and 4. Uh, are the Mavericks where you thought it would be this season? And uh, um, how much better or worse do you think they'll be going forward? Like, tell, Give us some insights into the Mavs and how they're doing this year. Yeah, they're 9 and 4 right now, and it's – it's it's a weird nine and four. They they have lost badly to the teams um, that are better than them um, up until maybe Denver uh, on on Monday, and that's 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 the one that they're coming off of. Um, and then they've they've um, they've beat bad teams, but they haven't done it convincingly. I, I believe on the season, you know, they're they're minus one. Yeah, so they're they, net they, negative. Yeah, despite winning nine of their 13 games, they're still a net negative uh, team. And that comes from big blowouts and close losses. And mm-hmm. so so it's been it's been interesting to track them. And, and I was actually looking for it, like the Luka injury is a bummer because I was looking forward to this stretch of four games against the Suns and the Clippers um, be, because I felt like we would have learned a little bit more about them. And that's been something I've been saying and other people analyzing the team have been saying. Uh, here in Dallas is that it, it's been really hard to know exactly what this team is through 10 games. It, it felt like, you know, this is, this is the same team it was last year and the same t- team it was the year before. Uh, this is in fact uh, actually the same starting lineup they ran out two years ago to start the season. Um, and, and the roster hasn't changed that much. So it, it's, it's both a, a understanding of what this team is, um, as we've seen a very similar version of this team uh, for two years in a row. Um, and, and then just the idea that even though they're winning games, um, 
they haven't been as convincing as as a typical nine and four team might be. And there's been some concerns that have obviously come from that. Now, I, I do think that things are trending in a direction that indicates the Mavericks will be getting closer to the team, you know, the best version of versions of themselves uh, this season. I expect by the middle of the season, they're going to be playing better than they are right now. Um, you know, one one thing that we're seeing, for example, is that the starting lineup uh, with Dwight Powell in it has been blitzed and has been, you know, just really, uh, really ineffective this season. They're something like minus 50, minus 70 on the year. Um, and of course, as the starting lineup, they played the most minutes. Um, of course. Although uh, Jason Kidd has persisted with using that lineup, and I think there's a few reasons why that might be the case. Um, he, he definitely is going away from it and going to one big lineups uh, that have been more effective uh, throughout the season uh, with, with a lot more uh, urgency and frequency throughout games. And so, you know, even though the coaching staff, you know, got some uh, criticism early on, I, I, you know, look, there's, there's still a bunch of smart people over there. And, and I do feel like they're slowly um, but surely trending kind of towards a better version of, of what this team should be. And so while I don't think that the Mavericks will be the third team in the Western Conference, um, I also don't think that they're, you know, completely illegitimate winning this nine of four. Even if, um, even if some of the early wins um, are fortunate or, or at least statistically, you know, it's good. It, but at the same time, it's good to win. It's good to stack wins yeah. early, no matter, no matter how. Well, the Suns, uh, the Suns are ten and three at this point, and really, nobody would say that Suns are playing their best basketball right now. They're not shooting very well. Chris Paul is just coming up with new variations on records and first time, first guy ever to do this and first guy ever to do that. But even he doesn't look great yet. The only thing great so far about Chris Paul is he's back to being that ball hawk defensively, man. His his hands are the strongest hands, I feel like, uh, per pound in the NBA, per size of player in the NBA. And I remember in the old days before he came to the Suns, he would just rip ball out the ball out of a ball hounder's hand and then just grab it and go the other way to the point where it was so clean that most of the time the ball handler wouldn't even complain saying he was fouled. Uh, He would just complain that he got stripped. And we didn't see that in the first year in Phoenix. Chris Paul was a little bit more passive defensively than I recalled, although he was still very good. The Suns were six overall in defense last year after being 17th the year before with everybody the same but Chris Paul pretty much. So he obviously impacted the defense, but man, he has just been incredible. No one's, I mean, he's got more steals in the first 12 games than anybody in a long time. (laughs) And he's 36 years old. Um, But the Suns are not playing at the top of their game and they're, they're at 10 and three because they've had an easy schedule. So like you're saying, uh, the Mavericks haven't had quite as easy a schedule as the Suns. Actually, the Mavericks have been magic Mavericks schedule has been a little more difficult, but not a lot. So they've gotten some closer wins against lesser teams. They haven't really proved themselves against great, better teams. It is a shame that we're not going to see Luca in these next two games. That would have been fun. Uh, but let's talk about a Luca-less Mavericks uh, for a couple of minutes here. And then I'm going to go back to the Suns. So Suns fans, hang on. But I want to talk about what are we going to see from the Mavericks this week? Are the Mavericks nothing without Luka? They've still got Chris Tapps Porzingis. They've got Jalen Brunson. They've got a, a host of guys who are who are really good players. Tell us what we can expect from the team this week. 
I would imagine it's Jalen Brunson starting in place of Luca. He's been excellent this season. Uh, he, uh, you know, I think his his per minute numbers are not that much more, but but he's kept his he's maintained those numbers as his minutes have increased. And because the Mavericks are a team without shot creation, much shot creation uh, outside of Brunson and, and Luca, uh, Brunson has been crucial for that uh, reason. Kristaps uh, has also been played his best three games of the season. Um, I, I think actually his game against Denver was one of his best games since maybe last year's bubble. Uh, it's is been a he long moving time. better this year. He is. He is um, defensively. He's he's been a lot more effective because you know he finally had that summer where he wasn't rehabbing something and he did have a appropriate amount of time to get into the level of shape that he expects. Um, and has been wanting to get into. And so I think it's a big question how Porzingis uh, reacts and does these uh, these next two games against the Suns and uh, going forwards. But, you know, that's that's our immediate focus. Um, Brunson, uh, if, if Brunson is excellent, if the three-point shooting is going down, if Porzingis can score, and if on top of that the Mavericks can play scrappy defense, which they've been – Pretty solid thus far this year. I, I think that's probably their winning formula for one of these two games against uh, the Suns. But it would probably take a little bit of outlier three-point shooting, which can happen. That happens in the NBA. Uh, but they're going to need one of those like 18 made, made threes and you know 55% uh, 55% of them going in or, or something like that. Or at least in my mind, that's, that's kind of the winning formula to, to beat the Suns without Luka. Yeah, so let's talk about Chris uh, Dapps a little bit. He, he's been hobbled the last couple of years. Ever since he's he's joined the Mavericks, it seems like he's been rehabbing some kind of injury or dealing with some kind of injury. Uh, but his best stretch last year was when Luca was out for another injury. Do you feel like, A, Chris Dapps is that kind of guy who's going to put you know 30 and 15 up every game Luca's out again this year? And, and B, do you... Uh, do you feel like there's anything to him not playing as well with Luca as he does without Luca, and why? I, I definitely think that over the years of their partnership, there has been friction and there has been a lack of understanding of um, Luca clearly being the number one option, the the, the plan A uh, in Dallas, and Kristaps needing to understand that he needs to fit into that. That said, you know, I feel like I've seen positive signs from those two players playing together recently. Um, it, it was it was a couple games ago against San Antonio where, you know, the the Luca Porzingis uh, pick and roll, which you would think would just be like a staple of the Mavericks offense. It really hasn't over over years. And we finally fought, saw some of that and, and we saw it be effective and we saw it again against Denver. And and so, you know, I am I'm a little bummed out not to see the, the the continued development and progression of of that um you know for this team but you know i i, I don't know I, i'm very curious how Perzingis will react because i i do feel like he's finally settling in and accepting you know this this role where he needs to make luca better um and and he does you know he's a complimentary player to luca and now that luca's out for a for at least a couple games or at least one game um I'm I'm hopeful that he doesn't just completely revert back to these New York habits, even if, you know, by circumstance, he'll have to do that a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. he, he may he may take a few more mid-rangers and post-ups, 
you know, I, I just, I just hope that he still kind of remains this guy who's finding shots around the rim, finding smart opportunities to post post up and mismatches um, and still taking a lot of threes because, you know, if, if I were him, I would be taking, you know, I, I don't see why 10 a game is, is something unrealistic for a player like Chris Dubs. Do you feel like uh, there's a lot of the uh, bigger mobile forwards in the game who everybody says, gosh, they're they're the perfect five in today's game. They're the perfect center in today's game. So teams can go small. Yet, so many of these guys don't play center very often because what for one reason or another. Anthony Davis being the most obvious example of this. The the uh, Lakers keep playing big guys next to him, and uh, uh, because he's, I think it's because he's insisting on not playing the five on a regular basis. Is the same? Tell me what it is with Chris Dapps. Is he more of a four? Does he want to play the five? Are the are the Mavs better or worse with him at the five? I, I think they're better in they they've certainly been better this season um, than than him paired with Dwight Powell. I, I think that enough big men have made this argument that there has to be a little bit something to it that it is easier for them over the course of eighty two games to not take the primary you know, defensive matchup against a big man uh, every single night. That said, yeah. you know, I, I I think that the Mavericks will continue balancing some of this. Uh, Maxi Kleba is, has been injured since the, I want to say the fourth or fifth game of the year for the Mavericks. And, and I think the starting lineup, uh, it, it's possible it would have already changed. And it would have been Maxi yeah. Kleba in place of Dwight Powell um, if Maxi had been healthy. And that's a big man that I think complements really well with Chris Stapps. Because they can interchange, exactly. right? Depending on the play, depending on the matchup or the switching or the defense, whatever. Right. They can take turns being down low. Right, right, right. And Maxi is also a player that um, doesn't ever need the ball and is a good spot-up shooter. So whereas Dwight Powell is someone that, um, you know, his his best skill is rolling and setting screens. And if you have on, on the court not doing that, just hanging out in the dunker spot just or Lord forbid, you know, trying to spot up. Uh, yeah, he's just an extra body. And Porzingis, who wants involvement and wants activity in this offense, um, there was a lot of instances where Powell and Porzingis were getting in each other's way um, or worse in Luca's way. And so I, I think if you swapped Maxi in for that, um, there would be more ability to... Um, you know, to have the two big men and have the interchangeability, like you said, for those two big men in terms of who they're guarding defensively, um, but but still just have them more a healthier lineup, all things considered. All right, let's take a quick break and talk about our partners at DraftKings. The NHL season is underway, just like the others, NFL, NBA, NHL, everything's going. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, as well as NFL, as well as NBA, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and get $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes on any sport all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game this week and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. 
This week, one puck in the net nets you one big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Arizona customers are fine. New customers only for this offer. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's talk a little bit about the Suns uh, from, for you from afar, right? So what are you seeing from the outside? I know you're not watching all the Suns games and all that, and you're not supposed to, but um, I'm, I'm curious just about the feeling, the take of a non-Suns local about the team. Uh, the first, and we already talked about the Sarver allegations, so we don't need to go into that a little bit, but anymore. But I want to talk about DeAndre Aiden. So nationally, I'm, I'm sure you're aware that uh, DeAndre Aiden is one of the few number one picks ever uh, to not get a max extension from the Suns. He, on, on one hand, he had a great playoffs and helped carry the team to the finals, helped push the team to the finals. But on the other hand, he has not been a lockdown, perfect number one option on offense, which is what uh, usually number one picks end up being. Uh, so he's a very unique situation. What do you in Dallas uh, or just nationally, well, how do you feel about the situation? What do you think the Suns should have done? It's it's tricky. I agree that talent-wise, or not even talent-wise, uh, the, the, the archetype of who DeAndre Ayton is, very talented player, very good center doesn't seem like a max player to me but at the same time I, I think I'm I'm pretty jaded about the NBA in, in some ways and I think that any team making a finals run with a number one pick uh, that they drafted just a few years ago um, who's Third going year, into free agency yeah. I find it hard to believe unless this player is you know much worse than Aiden actually is for that player not to just realistically demand and receive the max, you know, a max contract. I just kind of think that's how the NBA works. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I I guess that's, that's my thinking here. I I agree. Like he, he doesn't quite seem of that level. I I don't know how close to the max Phoenix ended up offering. Um, But I also understand that Aiton realistically, um, you know, pragmatically, would just be like, you know, max me, max me or, or else. And yeah, according yeah. to the GM, James Jones, he basically said the sun side, or excuse me, the uh, eight inside was not interested in anything less than the five-year max and not to come to the table without, with something lower. And the sun's just never bothered coming to the table with something lower. Uh, you can, you can make whatever you want of that. Uh, really, the, the Suns had gotten really have always gotten really good deals with their free agents for better or worse. It seems like for better, obviously, since the Suns have the most wins in the NBA in the past year. Um, obviously, it seems like it's for the better, but they got deals on Chris Paul. They got deal a deal on campaign. They got a deal on everybody they've signed. And Aiden was the first one who said, I'm not giving you a deal. I'm giving you the one the the contract I'm supposed to be getting because I'm a 22 year old uh, former number one pick who delivered exactly what you wanted i mean if you thought of my 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 whole um example is can you imagine talking to aiden before year three and aiden going i'm going to want a max contract extension next year and james jones saying something outlandish like fine carry us to the finals and i'll give you a max and aiden be like how can you put that on me blah 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 you know and so i can imagine that being the outlandish thing 
that you would throw out there as a GM going, fine, you do that. I'll give you the max. Cause what else could right. they ask of him than to be the defensive anchor on a finals team, no matter what you think about how the, uh, the final, the Suns got through the playoffs with other teams injuries, they still got through the playoffs and no other team did. That's just right. the way it was. And Aiton was a key setting records efficient for efficiency on offense, rebounding like crazy, setting all these records. And yet they still don't offer him a max. So people in, in Phoenix are a little confused and we'll see how it shakes out in a year. Uh, but your take is basically every take uh, that I've heard, which is, yeah, he doesn't fit the bill of a, a traditional max player, but he has done everything you would expect and you would give the max to him anyway, because that's the way the NBA works. D'Angelo Russell has a max contract for God's sake. Um, and that's only because he scored more points than Aiden, I guess. It's kind of like the six man of the year award. If you score more points, you get it. It doesn't matter how great a six-man you are. You've got to score the points. All right, so that's the Aiden situation. Let's talk about Devin Booker. Devin Booker, on one hand, he's a two-time All-Star, great number two on a finals team, has proven himself to be good on a winning team, still is good on a winning team, if not better. And yet, is he yet a shoe-in for the All-Star game to actually get selected this year? Or is he going to get squeezed again by guys like John Morant or uh, say, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and guys like that? Because all the usual suspects are back for this year's All-Star game again. So what do you think about Devin Booker's chances of being like an obvious choice for All-Star versus a fringe choice? Right. Honestly, I think so little about the All-Star game. So last year, he did not make it. Correct. He didn't even he didn't that's get right. voted by the coaches. He was the first injury replacement. That's right. That's right. That's right. I do remember that controversy now. Where did he land in all NBA? All NBA, he uh did not make third string all any of the all NBA teams, but he came close, supposedly, but he didn't make it. Right. I mean, I feel like top 15-ish player is is about where he lands. Um you know, right, right in that, that pedigree. And I say this as someone who, who loves Booker. I, I thought years ago that he was criminally underrated. And I, I mean, I, I feel like that reputation just from afar, just as a, as an NBA observer, I don't feel like his reputation is underrated um, in the sense that I used to, I, I feel like that finals run did a lot for him and, and the Olympics too. And the, and the Olympics, certainly. Um, and, and, and then, you know, partly what those runs do is just reveal more of his character. Like, people know Devin Booker loves fancy cars and, you know, and, and you know, old school, old school cars. And, and they know about Sons in Four and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that, that guy. And they, they know all these things about Devin Booker that, you know, he's no longer... Uh, like back of mind just because he plays for a team that isn't winning many games. And, and so I, I do feel that, you know, wherever he falls, I, I think top 15 ish player is about right. And, you know, if he gets bumped down in the all-star game, yeah, he should be an all-star player for sure. Um, but I haven't done the math. I haven't, I haven't looked at a, exactly who his competition is. You know, I, I would assume that I would vote for, him over Devin Booker. Um, but I don't think I will have a vote this year. I, I don't really want one to be honest. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think after that runs, I, I, it would be hard for me to say that, that he is, um, that, that he hasn't built up that reputation in a way that I thought he was deserving of 
Um, and I think nationally, I don't get the sense that, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just look, people looking him over anymore. All right. Final question for you. Thank you so much for your time today, Tammy. I know you got to get to shoot around for the Mavericks. Um, final question for you is where do you see the Suns in the Western conference this year? There's a lot of, oh yeah, then there's the Suns. Oh yeah. Then there's the Suns and excitement about other teams. Where do you see the Suns finishing and, and how do you see them being, do you see them being better than last year, same as last year, or were they lucky? What, what do you think? I mean, I, I think this has to be a top two or three seed. Uh, you, you talked about the, the schedule being easy for them, and that may be the case. But this nine-game winning snuck up on me. It, it wasn't until yeah. Dallas, uh, you know, the, this, this Dallas game, you know, I started just looking at very basic, okay, what have what the Suns been up to, uh, that I realized they had won nine straight. You know, I think I was still kind of dwelling on that poor start from them. And I, I, I have to think that the reason that was happening is that you know, I think we're just all expecting the Suns to win, that they're going to be a good regular season team. And uh, because they're good, they're a damn good basketball team. And so, you know, it's it's the same situation if uh, as, as the Mavericks. It doesn't really matter who you're playing. Um, it matters how you're playing to an extent. But I think the most important thing, um, especially if a team starts slow and, and you expect them to get better, the most important thing is just to make sure you're winning early. Because that gives you such a base and pedigree to build off of um, mm. during the rest of the season. Um, you know, we're over 10% of the way into this this season. You know, right. we're almost 15% of the way into the season. We, you know, like it or not, um, you know, 13 or 14 games is a sizable chunk of the calendar. And to start like that, um, and I mean this for both teams, I, I think that's that's only a good thing and only sets you up for success the rest of the year. All right. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on. I appreciate that. The uh, Suns play the Mavericks twice this week. You get to check out everything that Tim does. Uh, Tim Cato, you can find him on The Athletic. Are there uh, Where else can we find you, or what are you working on? What's your, what's your latest work? Oh, man. Um, nothing I can shout out at this exact second. Not, not big, not big reported stuff. I promise. Um, well reported, but you know, nothing that's sure. going to break, uh, shake the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I did a, I did a cool story about the, the behind the scenes of a, of, of the team city edition, uh, Jersey and this video that the, the creative team put together. So I think that was a good read, um, for Monday and that's on my Twitter, uh, Tim underscore Cato. And All I, right. I, think that, I think that's my only shout out. So, yeah, uh, I really appreciate it, man. Tim, you, you do a great job covering the Mavericks and uh, just check out his work anytime you can, folks. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll see what happens with the Suns this week. I'm Dave King NBA. You can find me on Twitter there at Dave King NBA. Of course, my name isn't Dave King NBA, but that's my Twitter handle. Um, and that's because back in the day, I used to think maybe I'd cover more than the Suns and I really haven't. So the, <laughs> the handle's the handle. So that's what we got. Uh, you can find my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. And uh, you can find um, these solar panel episodes a couple times a week. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching on YouTube. I appreciate your time, Tim. And you all have a good day.